Hello, this is Learning Tarot Together. I'm your host, Felix Kingsley, full-time social worker, part-time tarot enthusiast, and I'm here to share my journey into learning the meanings behind all 78 tarot cards with listeners and guests. This week, we'll be looking into the meaning behind card number two in the Major Arcana, the High Priestess. Here to help me is my friend, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. What's up? So, Patrick, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your history with tarot? Yeah, I could tell them all about my extensive and in, in no way recent affectation. <laughs> hey, mine's recent too. This is learning tarot together, Patrick. So we are we are learning it together. But you have been interested in tarot for a little bit now, right? Uh, I've got a handful of years, I would say. It's one of those things that always um, appealed to me on kind of an aesthetic level. Um, back when I was in high school, one of my very good friends at the time that we graduated uh, got a deck of tarot cards and then gave one to each of us um, at when we graduated. Like, hey, this is a card that I think reminds me of you. And I kept that card in my car um, for, well, I think until I wrecked that car and destroyed the damn thing. Wait, what card was it? <laughs> that was the Emperor. Interesting. Okay. I should have had you on for the Emperor episode. I messed up. Although you don't really remind me. I actually, if I had to choose between the two, I would say you remind me more of the high priestess than the emperor because I think that you are very internal and intuitive and the emperor is all about like structure and authority, which I'm spoiling because that's what the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Um, it counts as a spoiler. (laughs) It's a spoiler. You guys were sitting there trying to figure it out, but no. No, I think you're right. It's, uh, it fit a whole lot better in high school. I think after the, I think that was, I mean, I was 16 when I graduated. Uh, so things are sort of Oh yeah, I always for forget me. that. So you were a very authoritative baby. Yeah, I had a lot of, I had a lot of impressive might. Well, you did become a lawyer, so. Well, let's go into the meaning of the high priestess. So when, so the high priestess is the second card in the major arcana, which follows the magician. In the fool's journey, which is the story of the major arcana, the high priestess is the second person that the fool meets. So she teaches the fool about like the subconscious mind, the connection between the spiritual and physical realm. She teaches him to get in touch with his intuition and about spiritual enlightenment. And those are kind of the basic ideas of what this card is about. So before we get into the meaning more in depth, I wanted to talk a bit about the history and imagery of the card. Now, I know a little bit about the history. I know that this card was not always called the High Priestess. And I know that you know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, oh, boy, do I. <laughs> um, what? So when you say imagery, what are, we, what are we working from here? So I usually look at the Rider Waite deck just for the basics, but I also pull up other decks that I use. But I find that the High Priestess tends to have pretty consistent imagery across the decks that I've been using. I don't know about in your experience. I think I agree. I've got two here um, that uh, that I, I would use as maybe a generous term. Mostly, it's gawk at um, the. I've got like the, I've got the Rider White deck here, but I've also got one called Golden Tarot that I got as a D and D prop. Ah, uh, yeah, I have the Rider White deck in front of me and the Cosmic Slumber by Tilly Walden, who's one of my favorite comic artists. And when I'm looking at them, so the there's a lot of basic imagery in in this card that is pretty similar. For one, there is on either side of the High Priestess and the Rider Waite deck, which is the kind of canon deck, so to speak, nowadays, The there's two pillars. One is black and has a B on it, and one is white and has a J on it. And that has to do with like a biblical reference, is my understanding. Mm, so the uh, pillars outside of the Temple of Solomon. 
Yes, exactly. That's correct. And it has the meaning of the two names that those stand for, which I'm going to butcher if I try to pronounce, but start with a B and a J, <laughs> mean um, he shall establish and in it is strength. So I don't know what you take that to mean in terms of this card. I th- I, have, I know almost no Hebrew, but uh, from from, yeah, looking right. up, from looking pronunciations online, I believe that would be Boaz and Yakin. And then Yaquin, all of our okay. all of our Jewish listeners can now throw me out a window for, for free next oh, time they yeah. see me. Yeah, I'm only I'm not Jewish enough. I'm only in blood, not not in uh, practice. So <laughs> I. Uh, I can't speak to it. Um, the pillars are interesting to me. Um, the historical pillars were outside the entrance to the temple. And as far as I recall, they were not black and white. I think they were like copper pillars or something. And they also yeah, weren't I think structural. That's a, I think that's an invention of the cards. And that's like when I look at the other card that I'm looking at from the Cosmic Slumber deck, it doesn't have the B and the J. It doesn't have this kind of biblical reference to it. But it does still have like a dark curtain and a light curtain in my version, they're curtains instead of pillars. But it still speaks to this kind of balancing act that I think the high priestess really represents because the high priestess is supposed to be the balance or like the conduit between the spiritual world and the material world. And there's a lot of this kind of sense of like union of opposites, I would say, like having the kind of yin and yang or having, um, when you read about this card, you read a lot about the balance between the masculine and the feminine which I think has a lot to do with the history of the card because it was originally based on what? It was like a woman who became a spiritual leader by pretending to be a man. There's a, there's, there's conflicting, uh, there's conflicting stories about this. <laughs> I think the, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the, the when the uh, Trumps were introduced to the deck, like way, way back when uh, the number two card, I believe was called uh, La Papessa in Italian, the, the, the popus <laughs> in English, Popus. which is a very stupid word. Um, yeah. But there's, and there's a few different sources for that. One of the explanations that people have for the Popus card is that it is a representation of the uh, myth of Pope Joan, who was for a time believed to be a woman who ran, rose through the ranks of the Catholic Church and was elected Pope. And uh, while masquerading as a man and was only outed after giving birth on the steps of the Vatican. Um, that turns you know, that, that never actually happened. <laughs> there was no such event or no such person. Um, you don't say. In, um, it, in Italy, I think the connection is less uh, strong on that front. A lot of times they describe the Pope as being wed to the church or wed to the body of Christ. And in Italian, that is like a feminine grammatical gender. And so the high priestess or the old popus uh, could refer more um, metaphorically to the church itself or like the sanctum or the guardian of the, of the, of the knowledge. So the church and the kind of like she like a boat. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, and there's and there's a third even stranger story that I really like. Oh. <laughs> um, back in the 13th century, I just learned about this today because I was reading through uh, my little companion book by Cat Black that came with my Golden Tarot book. Very cool. Um, that uh, talked about this illustration for the high priestess in uh, the deck commissioned by. Um, the Visconti family, I believe. Mm. Uh, and they were it's like a 
political family in, in, in Italy and all that. Around that time, uh, there uh, they had gotten involved in this Catholic heresy <laughs> following um, Queen, uh, I think, it, I, I'm not going to get the pronunciation very good on this. It's Guglielma or Wilhelmina uh, of Bohemia, uh, who was a woman who was preaching. We're just trying to make everyone who cares about pronunciation really upset with us. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you my, um, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give them all my email address at the end of the show. So <laughs> if you're mad at me uh, and don't like the things that I'm saying in terms of pronunciation, you're going to have to listen to the whole show. <laughs> and then, <laughs> only then, will you be able to write me an angry letter. Um, so yeah, uh, Guglielmo was preaching a more, uh, maybe a more, maybe a more feminine version of Christianity. It was sort of an alternative to the Catholic Church, and one of the big things that they believed um, was that she herself was some kind of important prophet or or religious figure, um, which at the time in the Catholic Church obviously would have been completely unheard of that women could do really anything other than bear children and tempt people to sin. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, Tend people to this to the <laughs> the balance between the feminine and the masculine <laughs> in the spiritual world and material. It's evil. They it's, hate that. Yeah, <laughs> cardinals oh. hate this one weird trick. <laughs> no, I um, yeah, I was reading a little bit about the history of it and and kind of thinking about how the Rider Waite deck tried to take out a lot of the kind of Christian imagery, but then this card and some other cards still really stand strong and but then also have this kind of complicated history so it's like is it really that christian imagery or not but still bringing in a lot of biblical references and then i mean in the tarot uh in the tarot sorry in the rider weight deck she's holding the torah um in the other version i have uh, and she has the what is that cross called that kind of cross specifically do you know? Um, I know the answer to this question constructively, but I don't have actual knowledge. Okay, that's fine. Um, solar cross. She has solar cross. Yes. She has a solar cross. Um, in the version that, the other version that I have uh, in front of me, she is holding a book that could be the Bible. And she is opening, and she has the cross still, but she's opening a door in her stomach. And there's like a little person inside, like inviting is kind of like a look into your inner wisdom and like the the inner world um which i think is a really interesting image and then there's also which one thing we haven't talked about is there's the crescent moon at the bottom of like at her feet which again i think has to do with this kind of like feminine energy and um and this kind of like balance and then she has a veil behind her that is covered in pomegranates, which again has to do with this idea of the divine feminine, like thinking about like Persephone and has to do with like abundance and fertility. And it's also like a veil between the subconscious mind and like the conscious mind or like the spiritual world and the material world. It's a really rich card in terms of imagery. So there's a lot you can kind of take in from the image and like continue to look into it. We probably could sit here for half an hour and just do that to be honest, because it's like every little bit of this card has imagery on it. It's, it is jam-packed. I, it's, um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the, the moon here. The thing that struck out to me um, looking at this uh, in preparation for the episode was how much of... So we've got, a, we've got a cross, a Torah, and a crescent. 
Um, like I, a little, quick little iconographic reference to all of the three major monotheistic religions in the, the capital W Western tradition here. The moon, I think, is not usually described that way. I was flipping through my little reference books here, and I didn't see anybody else make that connection, which probably just means that I'm very stupid and I'm missing something important. Eh, or it means that some guy invented all the imagery for this that we've all just been taking for the rest of time for the last 100 years. And you just didn't happen to have the same idea as this one dude. Right, which I think is the thing that, this is way off topic, but I think that's, for me, the power of the deck, is that how much of it is that level of personal interpretation and collective mm-hmm. interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think that you're, I think that that, I think this supports that traditional reading, though. You've got a woman sitting at the entrance to a temple in front of a veil adorned with holy symbols and all that. So let's get more into the reading of the card. I know that we've already been touching on it a lot just by the nature of going through the imagery of it, which is, again, a big part of reading tarot. Like, some people really look to the imagery to teach them a lot about the card and other people don't. I've said in past episodes, it's something that I'm still really working on and really trying to take the imagery of the specific deck. Because like I just said, this original imagery is just kind of made by one guy. Um, I mean, there's influences and obviously the person who, like Coleman, who did the actual, is it Coleman? I think that's right. Or Smith. Yeah, Pamela Coleman Smith. Oh, that's why I'm confused. Yeah, it's both. Look at that. <laughs> there we go. Pamela Coleman Smith, who did the actual art. But still, we have all these different decks for a reason. I mean, if we if the imagery didn't impact the card reading, then why would you even bother to have a different deck? So it's just something to be considering when you're looking at the meaning of the cards is to look at the different decks. And then I think this is kind of where you do get some value looking at the Rider weight and then comparing it to other ones is seeing what they changed and kind of seeing how this person is doing their own interpretation on it and how that might add new meaning or take away meaning from it. So when we look at this card upright, so when you put it down and it's facing, you know, the top is at the top, the bottom is at the bottom. This card has a lot to do with, as we said, this kind of idea of the divine feminine, which has to do with intuition, compassion, the subconscious mind. Um, It has to do with kind of spiritual enlightenment, looking within for answers. Um, It also has a lot to do with needing balance in your life. Because again, we have this kind of idea of balance between the masculine and feminine, but also balance between the spiritual world and the material world. It has a lot to do with this kind of idea of looking within and finding inner wisdom to answer the questions in your life, to really be feeling out the answers rather than thinking things through is what I would kind of say is the basic concepts of this card. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Especially when you take it in conjunction here with the magician, which I presumed you recorded an episode on previously that I was unable to find. Uh, Yes, (laughs) we haven't released yet. So for people listening, I'm recording episodes before I'm releasing so that you all can have something to listen to when I release. <laughs> but I don't know what you talked about regarding the magician, but I know that they are that these are typically taken together. And it's less clear in the Rider Waite deck than I think in historical decks, because historically the cards were referred to as Pope and Popus, which obviously go together. Um, or for a while, some of the Italian decks uh, and Swiss decks went uh, in a different direction and named them, named them Jupiter and Juno. 
and were more explicit, like Roman deity descriptors. Uh, but in both cases, you look at them back to back, and they are clearly meant to be counterparts, the way that like emperor and empress and sun and moon are. Um, mm-hmm. But changing the names here to magician and high priestess, in some level, scrubs away that comparison, um, unless you, I mean, other other than just by go, other than just inferring from some of the meanings and symbolism here, the names and the compositions don't really have a whole ton in common. I agree with you, and that's something I talked about in the last episode a bit, was my kind of confusion with the Magician. I find the Magician to be a very opaque card in some ways. I I understand it in the terms of like its manifestation concepts. When it gets into other concepts, or when it gets to kind of comparing it as a foil, so to speak, for the High Priestess, that's where both of these cards kind of get a little confusing for me. I took... Um... I took note of a few things while looking at the cards back to back here, and I think that the there's a a few dimensions of contrast here that I noted that I think are interesting. So in in terms of composition, there's a lot of differences, but there's they're similar in as much as it's one figure facing the viewer right in the center of the frame. One of these is daytime, one of these is nighttime is a good example here. You've got, like, similar to the sun and moon dichotomy later on, in the distant future of this podcast. You can play this clip mm-hmm. of me down down the line. Just cut this mm-hmm. one out and drop her in there. Uh, there's a night and day distinction here. You've got the magician uh, standing uh, in a bright light um, versus the high priestess seated at what appeared in front of like a dark background as if it's evening or, in, in, or enveloped in shadow in some way. Uh, you've got the magician outside versus the high priestess indoors. Uh, on like you got you got standing versus sitting here for whatever that's worth on a very literal level on a more metaphorical level it seems like there's a distinction here between openness versus hiddenness in a way the magician is standing in front of a table holding up a big candle or something this is a demonstration to me the magician has always spoken not just to not not just to knowledge but also to performance or to professorship professorship Mm -hmm. professorship (laughs) don't please nobody Mm -hmm. isolate that audio and don't send it to me (laughs) (laughs) um you even have in the magician you have the um old uh hand gestures from the school of athens except where you have plato and aristotle gesturing up and down respectively you have the magician doing both it's very much a like come and come and listen and learn kind of uh, messages being communicated here, and the distinction between the two uh, is you've got the priest is sitting down, arms folded, scroll rolled up. This is not nearly as inviting and not nearly as much about. Uh, weirdly, it seems to be less about her. Uh, to whatever like, both of these are associated with knowledge, uh, but the, uh, but the uh, the priestess is, seems to be much more affiliated with mystery, um, and less about being taught and more about dis- more about discovering. And that's what those. Like, I think that's what the contrast says to me here. I think that's really interesting. I think that kind of idea of discovery versus prison like presentation is really interesting. I also think when you think about the tools that they have in front of them, it's very interesting. So the magician has all the tools at his disposal outside of him, right? He has the cups, the pentacles, the wands, the swords, they're all laid out in front of him. Whereas the high priestess has this inner knowledge and inner wisdom that 
they're inviting you into as opposed to presenting to you that you have to seek it out versus finding it or like having it at your fingertips, which I think is really interesting in thinking about the comparison between the two. And I think does kind of help highlight some of the differences uh, in meaning and thinking about those two cards as a kind of dichotomy or um, as foils for each other. Hmm. That's, that that is also interesting. That 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 keys me into another loosely associated idea, <laughs> um, which yeah. I guess which I guess is the beauty of tarot is it's that's all it is is a series of loosely associated ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the concept of discovery, there's like a self discovery aspect of the high priestess here, which I think is drawn in contrast to the kind of knowledge the magician has. The magician is depicted with the infinity symbol over his head and wearing a belt of. And the, the belt is an Ouroboros symbol. Like this is any sort of an eternal objective truth in a way um, that the mm-hmm. priestess isn't. The priestess is personal and intuitive and internal. And changing. Like the ocean is behind the priestess behind the veil, which kind of is a really interesting kind of depiction of the mind or the inner spirit of it being this like tide that comes forth and back and this mysterious entity that we can only ever see a small amount of. Are you seeing that as the ocean, like the blue backdrop there? I think it's the ocean in the sky behind the, behind the veil. Yeah, I believe that. I had always taken it to just mean the facade of the temple and just in shadow. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think it's an ocean, but I could be wrong. It's, it's impossible to be right. Right? Exactly. (laughs) So when thinking about this card in terms of like, if you're doing specific readings, so like, let's say we're doing a love reading. Um, Well, let's jump back. Actually, if you're doing a general reading, we kind of already touched on it. But basically, the way that I would take this to mean is that if you pulled this in a general reading, you need to be looking within, you need to be checking in with yourself, seeing if you're listening to your internal messages. And Um, be going with kind of your intuition over maybe rationalization if you're looking at it in love then I kind of take it to be like you need patience and compassion because that's like a big aspect of I think of this kind of idea of the divine feminine is is are those things but then also I think it has a lot to do with like really deep and intimate relationships because it is kind of like a a very intuitive card, a very internal card. So I think it has to do with kind of sharing your internality out with another person is how I might interpret that card or the need to do so to kind of share yourself at a deep level. Um, If you're looking at it from like, that's maybe more so if you're like already in a relationship that that might be what you need. If you're looking at it for like, I always find like, I find love readings really hard. I don't know that you ever do them because you don't really strike me as a type so much. But To be frank, I haven't done any readings at all. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of play. Do you not do them for yourself? No, I just kind of like the cards. Oh, my gosh. Well, next time we get together, we're doing readings for each other just for fun. That sounds good. You can. But that's so amazing. That's so interesting. I love how everyone approaches tarot so differently. But if you're doing this with, like, a love reading, I would say it's a a call to listen to your intuition. So like, let's say you're presented with an, like a potential partner, for example, it'd be like an idea to like, think about what your internal voice is telling you. Is it actually telling you that this is a good idea 
or is it, are there warning signs going off? Is there something that is like calling to you inside that you need to pay attention to? That's kind of what I would take it as. And then same within career, it's kind of relying on your instincts, like going, you know, thinking about that. It's also, I think has to do with kind of like mentorship, um, which maybe I think a magician would too, but I think this one does as well, but maybe from a different kind of standpoint, maybe less literal and more like looking to others, for examples. Um, and for inspiration. Yeah, mentorship is an interesting thing to touch on here. I think that this the card has such a strong association, as we discussed, with the, in the in the inner world and the unseen world to some degree. But it is still, nonetheless, a mentor figure. And mm. I don't know how I don't know how you I don't know how you felt in your life. In my life, um, I think that most of the great personal realizations uh, I've had in my time have had nothing to do with me sitting down and thinking about it. It has all been entirely accidental. It's because I bump into other people or pieces of art or d- interesting conversations that through that conversation reveal something new to me about me. I think it's well, a, and I think that's kind of like what I turn to tarot for, right? You know, is like to have something reflect back at me in a new and interesting way, or like you're right, like, and I think the mentorship in this card is someone who can kind of teach you. It's kind of like a counselor or like an advisor or a therapist. <laughs> you know, it's more of that kind of. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's someone who teaches you to to recognize your inner voice. There's a lot of money to is, be made making a some kind of annoying millennial tarot deck where the, where they just replace the priestess with the therapist. <laughs> there probably has been. I'm sure there is. Real. I'm sure there's a bunch of other very annoying, uh, very annoying arcana. Strength is just caffeine or something. Oh, there are some. <laughs> I've seen some interesting ones out there. I mean, some of the changes I don't mind. Like and. You know, some of them are minor, you know, but I, but yeah, some of them are pretty obnoxious. Uh, So now let's go into the reverse meaning of the card. So again, if you don't know what I mean by reverse, it means if you pull the card and it's upside down, Um, not face down, but upside down. Um, So when we get a reverse card, it tends to take on kind of, I don't want to say the opposite meaning necessarily, but kind of like it's the other side of the same coin. So if, the upright version has to do with intuition and um, and this kind of looking within sense, then this might be saying that you're lacking those things, that your intuition is repressed or that you're ignoring it. Um, it could be saying that you're acting superficially, that you're not really listening to yourself, that you're focused too on the material world and you don't have good balance in your life. I think lack of balance would actually be a really big part of the reversed kind of card that you are not acting with, like you're not acting with yourself really. Like you're acting against your own self-interests or your own internal messages. That's how I would take the kind of basic concepts of the reversed card if that appeared for me. Balance is an interesting thing to touch on here. In part because there's something, there's a lot of these there's a lot of these pairs throughout the throughout the tarot, and it's kind of a recurring theme that you'll get. Like nobody nobody associates the magician with balance. The people associate the high priestess with balance, even though they are paired cards. You would expect them each to refer to one half of a balance, but instead, what we get is the magician, and then uh, as it's as its own thing, and then the priestess almost cautioning against an excess here. I think the feminine has a lot more to do with balance than masculinity. I think you're right, but that's 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 interesting to me. It is interesting. I just think that when I think 
like, and I say this as someone who is like trans mask vaguely, um, just for listeners, as you probably guessed by my feminine voice and my name of Felix. Um, <laughs> what? No, that can't be right. The kind of when I think about masculinity and femininity, especially when it comes to the cards, masculinity and femininity come up a lot in the cards. And as someone who struggles with differentiating those two concepts in general, it can be difficult to interpret the cards along those lines. But I will say when I think about balance or when I think about excess, I, I do tend to think about feminine being the balancing act and and the more like extremes or imbalance being more of a masculine trait, which I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's kind of how I take it. And I think that might be why we really think about balance a lot when we think about the high priestess. I think that's a very, I think that is very true in the modern imagination for sure, but I don't think it is historically true. Um, I was a, I was a classics major uh, in college. So I have uh, several different uh, ancient Greece talking points that I intend to bring up at some point or another. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but in a lot of a lot of societies historically, I'm sure still some today, it was the feminine that was considered the gender of excess, of of, of excessive appetite, of sexual exploration, that kind of thing. Like the well, traditional... that makes sense too. With the kind of constant abundance, always comes up when feminine energy comes up in the cards. Yeah, and that's a. The stereotype for a lot of the world, for a lot of history, was that men were the balancing factor and they were, you know, stolid and reasonable and thoughtful Mm. and not prone to the vicissitudes of emotion and that kind of thing, which you still see sometimes. Remember during the Hillary Clinton campaign when you had all all those extremely sexist people saying that, oh, you know, women can't be president. What if they're on their period or something? But no, that's that's. Really interesting. I think that, yeah, so that also kind of talks about how your society is going to change how you might interpret the cards. Like, I might interpret the cards very differently than someone in a in a particularly different cultural m- milieu than, than myself. Yeah, and in, in, I guess I should bring this back around at this point, too. This is, we're talking about the reverse card here. There is, I think, something in there... That despite despite this uh, long aside about the relativeness of balance here, I think there is something really interesting in the card, at least in the Rider Waite deck here. When you reverse it, the scroll that's on her lap, the Torah, um, if you look at it right side up, the it's written upside down. When it's when you reverse the card, you can read the word Torah right side up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> that, means <laughs> that means something. I don't know. I think that this is a very literal depiction of how a change in perspective can change your understanding. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it can also, you could kind of take that, like, I hadn't thought about that either, but if I am trying to assign meaning to that, it could be kind of showing you what you're missing, you know, by making it more clear. Yeah, that's very well put. So, I yeah, I do think that when I think about like a situation from my own life where this might come up. I'm going to do it with the, with the love reading. We'll do that. I, and I might've already realized that I was thinking about this in the last one. Cause I talked about it, but I think about like, there was someone I dated later in my life. So to, you know, relatively that when I got into that relationship, I knew I shouldn't, I knew I shouldn't have been, <laughs> it appealed 
to me in like a very like kind of material sense. It appealed to me in that um, I was in a long distance, you know, this is the beginning of my relationship with my current part, you know, well, I have three current partners, but with my fiance, um, I was dating someone else too at the time and they lived close to me and my fiance lived far away. And so they offered a lot of material comforts in that kind of sense, but from a spiritual or like internal perspective, they were very distant. They were quite frankly, like a liar. They were not like a great, they were not a good person for me internally. Um, but they had a lot of material kind of comforts that offered kind of like a short-term kind of happiness, even though a lot of times my short-term happiness was incredibly short-lived. But I would think like if I pulled this, this card is a card that I could see coming to me at that time. Like if I pulled this card in reverse at that time, it'd be because I was ignoring my inner messages. I was ignoring the ones, the good advice from my own head telling me that this wasn't a good situation because I was so focused on the kind of material gains that I would get from it. And so I think that kind of talks about it. But I think you could also have this card come up when when maybe you're out of balance. Like, I don't know. Could you have this card come up when you're out of balance in a different way? I mean, I think the magician in reverse would be coming up more if you're out of balance, focusing too much on the internal world and not focusing on your realities. I think that this card is more if you're focused not enough on your internal world and focus too much on maybe your the like the, your external world yeah, around you. I think that's how I take it to be sure here. So I, I think again it's it's are you listening to yourself? Are you checking in with yourself? Are you following your own advice? Are you are you in tune with your own messagings? Are you are your behaviors displaying that or are you acting in such a way that is disconnected from yourself? I think a lot about cognitive dissonance when it comes to this card, when it comes in reverse, that you're kind of maintaining two thoughts that are in opposition to each other and not examining them or avoiding examining them even. Yeah, I think that's that level of that kind of opposites thing, too, is reflected, I think, in the is reflected in the pillars. You have a black pillar with white writing and a white pillar with black writing. Mm -hmm. So needing that kind of balance, balancing act, I guess it could also come maybe. I don't know. Do you think this card could come up in reverse when you are too inside of yourself, like when you are like so lost in thinking things through or that you're not taking action or do you think that this is really more of the opposite i take issue with the question <laughs> do, do i do i think that it could come up i mean i suppose so yeah yeah that's the hard thing about tarot that's why i personally like to get i've, I've talked about this in previous episodes especially in my first episode but i personally think the more information you can give your tarot reader about a question that you have or something you need to reflect on, the better they're going to be able to interpret the cards. Because it's really, it's like, you wouldn't go to, not again, I know I've said this before, and again, your tarot reader is not your therapist, but like, you wouldn't go to your therapist and just say, what's wrong with me? <laughs> they would They would say, who are you? <laughs> Tell me about yourself. I don't know. You know, and if you just go up to your tarot reader and just say, oh, you know, what's going on in my life, then they have no energy to like go off of. They have nothing to like start with. So they're going to be kind of stabbing at it. And all of these cards have so many different meanings and nuances to it that 
I just think the more information you can provide, the better it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of I, I kind of think of it as a as a, as a three way conversation uh, between mm-hmm. it's 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 you the questioner and you or the querent as I see it listed in the book, which is a word that I love. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you always wanted to be a querent? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a three-way conversation here, I think, between the querent and the reader and the cards, in a way. Uh, and mm-hmm. I like to frame it that way, in part because I, as much as I love all this, uh, as, long, as much as I love all this material... I'm not really that like, mystical of a person. I don't like. I don't have any. And I'm not either. Yeah, I don't have any know. actual belief in any magical powers or of 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 the deck of cards. Although I heard somebody um, say to me once something that stuck with me about the deck, which is that the tarot are not magic, but they can be magical. That's real. I mean, I think there's lots of things in life that are not magic, literally, but they are magical in experience. Yeah, and that's it's the interaction effect that you get there. So I think, do do I think this card could come up reverse in that kind of circumstance? I mean, yeah, of course it could. It just depends how it depends how you cut the deck. But the real question is, if it comes up in that circumstance, is that like do you learn anything from it? And that's a that's a combination of the images on the card and the um, level of information, as you were saying, that the querent provides, which is huge. It's also mm-hmm. depend on how much, like how well the reader is able to one listen uh, to what they're being told, and also mm-hmm. to listen to the words between the words. And that's why I think you know I've gotten really into this really fast, and I've done a lot of readings in the past few months. I've been doing them constantly, like every day, and I find that. The more I come to understand a person, of course, the better the reading's going to be. So granted, it is, I try to really be careful to not put my own biases into it too much, which is challenging, which I, I think really going through the cards like this and really examining them from a lot of different angles is really helpful to kind of think about, you know, I might just follow one thread in this, but if I hear your thoughts on it and I read different people's perspectives on this card, I'm going to get new ideas about what this card could mean and could be, which is why I really value these kinds of conversations. But I do think that my social work background really helps because it helps me to understand more about the human psyche. And the more you understand about how humans work, <laughs> then... <laughs> then the better of a reader you're going to be. So my suggestion to readers would be not just getting to know the meanings of the cards, but really get to know more about people. The more you are, the better of a listener you are, the better, you know, hone your perception. So one thing I want to do, and it's kind of going into this already, is I want to start at the end of each episode, or at least at the end of kind of going through the cards, is talking about how to read these cards when they're in a position that's kind of opposite to their meaning. By which I mean, a lot of times when we're pulling cards, we'll use what are called spreads. So it might be like uh, the first card represents you, the second card represents them, the third card represents advice. That's like a common love spread. But another thing it can be, a lot of times, there'll be a reading that says something like, what's working for you? What's working against you? And when we get, when we pull cards and they have a specific meaning based on the spread that you're doing, it can be really challenging when you get a card that's kind of in the opposite than you would expect it. So for example, if we pulled the high priestess upright in a card that meant 
what is working against you. Or if you pulled it in reverse in what's working for you. So I want to kind of go through and talk about how we would interpret this card in those kind of opposite settings, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of more metaphorical meetings that I associate with the card that I think might cast it in a bit of a different light. Um, and the, the the one that always the one that jumps to my mind immediately is that story from Jung. You ever read the you ever read from it's one of his essays. I was literally timing. I'm like, we've been recording for 43 minutes and I haven't mentioned Carl Jung yet. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, heard that story that he uh, that he repeats from this, like, interpreting the dreams of a seminary student? I don't think so. I mean, maybe, but if I did, it was probably in my undergrad and it's been a while. Yeah, I was. Um, I read that a while ago and I was refreshing my memory on it today. Um, he tells a story. You know what? It's very short. I'm just going to read it out loud. And you know who can't sue me? Carl Jung. He's dead. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, the archetypes in the collective unconscious. He's talking about the archetype of the magician in a way. And he's talking about a young seminary student who had a question about, I don't know, he didn't want to know if he was, we wanted to know if he was in the right line of work, um, if his belief was strong enough to go on. Um, studying and all that. And he also says he didn't know who this person was, so he couldn't possibly have infected him with his weird magician brainworms. Mm -hmm. And he says, and I'm quoting now, he dreamed he was standing in the presence of a sublime hieratic figure called the White Magician, who was nevertheless clothed in a long black robe. The magician had just ended a lengthy discourse with the words, and for that we require the help of the Black Magician. And the door suddenly opened, and another old man came in, the black magician, who, however, was dressed in a white robe. Now, he, too, looked noble and sublime. And the black magician evidently wanted to speak with the white, but hesitated to do so in the presence of the dreamer. At that, the white magician, pointing to the dreamer, said, quote, Speak, he is an innocent. So the black magician began to relate a strange story of how he had found the lost keys of paradise and did not know how to use them. And that's sort of where the dream wraps up. <laughs> Uh, okay. There's a danger, I think, for people who are you, you can be a little bit too internally attuned. And I think if, if if in the in the context of high priestess appearing upright in what's not working for you, there is a danger, I think, in being too internally attuned, which uh, actually comes up elsewhere in uh, comes up elsewhere in Jung talking about the concept of synchronicity. Um, it's a very normal human thing to do to see two things that are they appear connected but aren't literally connected. There's an a-causal relationship between them, and we see that kind of thing all the time. Um, and that's normal and healthy and interesting. Uh, but if you do that too much, uh, that's called schizophrenia. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> well, I I want to pause real quick again. I'm I'm a mental health practitioner. Yeah, you we know don't better than me. Schizophrenia. That's yeah. That's, just, a, that's a good. That's a good we're point. We're all we're all mentally ill on this podcast. <laughs> to be sure, yeah. I guess what I should say is it is like it is easy to go. It's it's easy to listen to yourself and like look to internally. get wrapped up in your thoughts. It is dangerous to go too far in that, and it can be. And it, it, excuse no, me. No, I know what you're. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, there's. I get what you're saying. It's it can be dangerous to go too far into into your thoughts and thinking that what you believe is reality. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's story... what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's that's thank you for putting my words better than I could. <laughs> and I think that's what that story is getting at. It's easy to look into your own it's it's, it's very 
uh, the tarot is connected to like astrology and dream interpretation and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to get caught up in all that and then miss what's actually in front of you. I agree with that. I think about it too. Like I have some people, so I do readings online and I have a couple people who come back a lot, like a lot. And I'm kind of like, are you letting cards kind of decide everything in your life? Or like, are you maybe reflecting too much and getting completely lost in your thoughts? Because I think when we start, you know, you can kind of start overthinking. Um, and I think also there's there's a sense too that you might be relying on your intuition too much and your intuition could be off. You know, it could be anxiety that you're mixing up with intuition. So you could be missing chances or missing opportunities because you're so wrapped up in your thoughts about it or thinking that every internal message you have is a correct one. So I think that's one way you could look at the upright. And then if you're looking at the reversed and thinking about how that's working for you, you can kind of go along the same threads, I think, where, you know, maybe right now is a time where you need to be really rational and you need to be kind of focusing on the the reality of your external worlds and not really focusing so much on your feelings about it because maybe they're not you know, maybe these things are out of your control and, you know, your feelings are something you need to address, but not something you need to guide you. You know, sometimes growth can be scary and our intuition might be telling us, you know, stay away from that because it's scary when in reality, you know, we actually need to be growing and changing and moving forward. So that's like kind of one way you could look at the reverse as something that actually is working for you. Yeah, I like that. I think another way to kind of to be more abstract about it could be maybe your brain needs a reprieve right now. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it could be working. F I mean, really though, sometimes we just need a need to just be living in the moment and not fixating on things so much. So it could also be kind of this idea that you need to kind of step back from the, focusing so much on yourself and start focusing on the realities of your world and enjoying the moment. Yeah. And that maybe that kind of plays back into the contrast between this and the magician, which is the, maybe the difference between observing and digesting in a way. Yeah. Perfect. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about the car before we wrap up? Um, I didn't get to my long verbal dissertation about the Eleusinian mysteries, so uh, you'll have to have me back on at a later time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so curious now, but if I didn't have something to do tonight, I'd be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> no, but no, amazing. I think that's, that's, uh, behind the scenes content, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you touched on it with, you kind of touched on it without me needing to get to it by talking about the connection between the pomegranates and the myth of Persephone and Demeter. Um, but that's, mm. but it, it's I don't, the thing I went so much in depth into. Yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> it's close enough. Look it up. You're all attached to some sort of device right now. Look it up. Yeah, unless you're driving. It's good don't stuff. Look it up if you're driving. I'm not going to tell you how to spell Eleusinian. You got to intuit that one. You got to you got to open your yeah. inner eye and learn how to spell. <laughs> you're such a jerk. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm imagining you don't want people to find you on the internet. So, is there anything you want to plug? No. 
I thought so. <laughs> yeah, Patrick I do not wish is to be actually found. just a, a phantom of my imagination that I invited onto the card or on to talk with the cards. Yeah, I work for the government and all of my social media are hidden. Uh, and I don't do anything other than work for the government. Uh, so uh, if you, no. so you there's so if you can't so if you don't catch me here, you'll never catch me again. Instead, I'll just end with a physical description of Patrick. Patrick has a shaved head, has uh, circular rose-colored glasses that he wears all the time because of migraines, not because of something uh, any sexier than that. And then has (laughs) one earring? Yes, just on the left ear. One earring, um, just on the left ear. Is that the gay ear? Yeah, I went. To, I went to the uh, piercing place. Is that, like, can still I get the gay ear? Like, I don't. Do I don't think it ever was that? a thing. When I was getting the, do when our I was younger it done, listeners know when what I was I'm get, talking about? When I was getting it done, I was looking into this online because I knew I wanted to get the left ear done because my tattoo is on my right arm, mm-hmm. and I like the balance. balance. Um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any cons- any actual historical record of which ear is the gay ear. I think that was just one of those things that people said in like the seventies and eighties that was not really based on anything. It was it was the down B of being gay. God, I mean, definitely still into the nineties because I definitely heard that growing up. I remember people talking like if someone got their ear pierced, being like, "Oh, is the gay ear." So that's my, so now you have a physical description of Patrick. So if you see him on the street, accost him and ask him about the tarot cards. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, and then, then I'll tell you all about the Eleusinian mysteries live and in person and how to spell it. <laughs> all of my secrets will be revealed. Uh, so if you want to find me on the internet, you are allowed to, you can find me on Twitter at E P S I L I N A. You can find my tarot Tumblr at time being tarot. Like, uh, like the book A Tale for the Time Being, but timebeingtarot.tumblr.com. And then you can, if you want to get a reading from me, which as I mentioned, I am happy to do, um, you can get them at uh, Ko-Fi or Coffee, however you pronounce it, ko-fi.com slash Epsilina, E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A. I sell readings on there. Um, one to three card readings are just for a tip. You can tip as little as a dollar and then five plus card readings are $10. So thank you for listening, and we will be back next week with what card is next? Is uh, it? I think I it always be the it emperor. Up. Is it the emperor or empress first? I'd be the emperor first. Okay. Well, we'll be back to talk about Patrick next week then, right? Yeah. <laughs> what if you would be back to talk about what I was like when I was sixteen? There we go. Yeah, I was, Perfect. That was the most annoying guy in Rockford High School. Oh no! It is the empress <laughs> first. It is the empress and the emperor. They reverse the order. Ah. Uh, okay. So. We will we will be back to talk with the Empress next week. See you then. 